You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. You're listening to episode number 11 in the Ultimate House Hacking Guide for Denver. So this one is titled, You're Under Contract, Now What? So in this episode, we dive into details as far as what your immediate action steps are for once you go under contract, what your responsibilities are, what our responsibilities are, along with the other vendors and partners throughout the transactional process. And then we actually walk through the contract, the uh, the real estate contract in Colorado, buy and sell real estate, and go through the dates and deadlines. So it's a technical episode. If you have questions, please reach out. And on this episode, it's myself, Joe Massey, Jeff White, and Preston Newberry. Enjoy. So let's jump into here. And so you guys know, we will be going through some detailed stuff. We'll do our best job to explain over audio. If you want to see some of these screenshots, go watch YouTube video or click on the link in the show notes and we'll have these screenshots in the blog post as well. So uh, before we get into the details of the contract, in the previous module, we were talking about submitting offers. And you know, let's just assume that the offer we submitted got accepted. Now, once an offer gets accepted, a lot of stuff starts going on there. And one of our team members, Jessica, sends out an email called the Next Steps email. And this is really the foundational email to help you, our client, start knowing, hey, here's what to expect and here's some immediate action items that you need to do. So Preston, walk us through uh, what, the, what are the next steps. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So this is kind of when things really start to get busy and hectic in the real estate transaction. It's something we try to prepare our clients for. You know, we've done a lot of work up to this point. Now, you know, we're under contract, everyone's excited. And then they're like, oh man, what happens next? So, um, you know, we've developed a process and strategy to kind of help guide our clients through that. And it's something that uh, we really think helps a lot and, you know, gives everybody some action items to, to, taken uh, into consideration as we move through, you know, the rest of the real estate transaction. So, um, you know, the first thing that we'll do is uh, get all of our documents together on on the back end, and then we send out um, this next steps email. So first thing you're going to see in that is going to be your activity or deadlines calendar. So this is something that you uh, can download or, you know, just save to your email. You can even integrate it with your, uh, you know, local calendar as well so that you have an idea of what um, deadlines are coming up, what things throughout the contract are going to require your attention. And that way you can kind of follow along. And and that when we send an email, Hey, this is, um, you know, what's going on. Here's some due diligence documents, please review them, anything like that. You're going to know what, uh, where we're at in the process and and gives you a real good idea of, of things that are coming up. So the first thing that uh, you'll see in that activity calendar, the first thing I'll outline in our email is, earnest money. So this is usually due within two to three days of the contract getting accepted um, and will be deposited with the title company. You can either deliver a check or wire your funds in, um, something that we always make sure to let our clients know. And we've heard some horror stories of, of clients not understanding this, but your earnest money will be deposited at the title company. They don't just hold your check in a drawer. So um, you know, your earnest money goes to the title company um, and they're going to hold on to it. And this is what, you know, actually solidifies the contract as, uh, you know, being accepted and in full force now. So that's uh, that's really the first uh, first item of business for our clients. Um, you know, as we uh, do that with our clients, we encourage them and uh, to reach out to their lender uh, 
we always send an executed contract um, as well as contact information and everything to the lender that's working on the file and working with our our clients. And this is something I know uh, Joe always gets from us and, and really kind of starts their action list on the lending side. So it's really important we get this out to them right away and also get our clients in touch with their lender um, as soon as possible after going under contract because there's going to be a whole other laundry list of things that the lender is going to want to work with the buyer on as we move through the contract too. So getting them on board right away is really, really important. Wouldn't you say, Joe? I would agree a hundred percent. You know, as soon as we see that contract come over from you guys and and we know, right? Because we, we got the copy of the contract initially when you submitted the offer. And so now it's like uh, Jeff mentioned in the last module, it happens really quick. It might be the same day we get an executed contract. It might be the very next day, but we'll see it come over and it comes over from Jessica. Hey, fully executed contract. Here's your next steps. Fantastic. Now what we're going to do is immediately reach out to the client. Hey, Mr. Client, congratulations on getting our contract. It's so exciting. Your next step is, A, you need to come sit down with us so we can go over your options. We're going to talk about all the things that we discussed back in module number two. Should you buy down your interest rate? Should you pay your mortgage insurance up front? Should you do both? And we're going to sit down and now that we've got a property, we're going to go through those items in depth. What would be the best uh, option for you? What's going to get you the best return on investment, et cetera? We're also going to ask you to update a couple of things. Maybe it's been 60 days since we gave you your initial pre-approval. We're going to ask you to bring your latest bank statement, your latest paycheck stub, et cetera. Um, but we're going to sit down and go through all those options, review everything, because we want to start that immediately so that you're going into it with your eyes wide open on how much it's going to cost to truly buy this property. Thanks, Joe. So then the next step, um, you know, once you've talked with your lender, is going to be setting up the inspection. So um, in our next steps email, obviously we have some referrals um, for inspectors and, and we'll reach out and, and help you kind of get all this stuff scheduled because that's going to be the first big hurdle for us to overcome in the real estate transaction is getting through the inspection. Now, in our offers, we usually you know try to uh, put that in, in the contract that we're going to get that done within the first seven days of being under contract. But realistically, we like to try and get that done within the first three to four days. And the reason we do that is one... Um, if we know of any major issues, it's better to know about them sooner rather than later. That way, if we need to get any specialists involved or um, you know other industry professionals, we have the time to do that and still maintain our uh, um, calendar and, and the steps that we need to to uh, be on track in the calendar and the contract. So we'll do that right away. We'll help you get that scheduled um, and get the inspection done you know as soon as possible. Um, once we have that scheduled, um, you know, the next step is going to be reaching out to your insurance agent. Now, usually in, in the contract, you'll have a couple weeks to, you know, secure insurance, but this is a really important part because you want to have the insurance sorted out sooner rather than later. And working with a really good insurance agent is really important because one, they're going to have to communicate with lending. Um, and, and also we want to make sure there's no other previous insurance issues with the house. Hey, maybe there was a, a roof claim that got opened and paid out, but never closed. Um, hey, maybe you're in a flood zone, right? I mean, there's all these things that can come up from insurance. So we want to make sure they're pulling their clue reports. They're doing all the stuff they need to. Hey, maybe you need to talk to a couple different insurance brokers. You want to get some quotes. This is the time to do that. So we want to make sure you get the ball rolling on that right away. And I want to uh, jump back uh, one of the bullet points and go back to inspection to help people understand what this is here, because this is a really important part of the contract in your home buying experience. We always recommend our clients do three things during your uh, due diligence, which is hire a home inspector to walk through the property. And that usually costs anywhere from like three to $500, depending on the size of the property. Do a sewer scope. That's usually like 
uh, $120 or so and also do a radon test. That's going to be another $120 or so, give or take a few dollars. And so these are very three important steps on here. And then these are actual costs that you will incur once these uh, professionals come out and do their inspection, sewer scope, or radon test. And you know, I said, that's going to be a check you write or more realistically, a credit card you give to them. And that is money that you are out of pocket whether you move forward with the contract or not. But it's a really important thing to do because you know $500 of due diligence on a $400,000 property is minuscule when it comes to uh, money you'll spend. When a sewer replacement can be 10 to 15 grand, a new roof can be 10 to 20 grand. Uh, these are items that you want to know about. And also, uh, if you can, we always recommend our clients, be at the house while the inspection is going on because all these professionals, they are experts in their fields and you'll get to talk to them in person there. They always send you the follow-up report or a, you know, a video of the sewer scope, but there's nothing like having a conversation with that person and be able to go walk around the property with them to review items, or they'll say, hey, you know what? Like, you're gonna see me flag this on the on the inspection item, but you know, honestly, don't worry about it too much because back in the day, this is how they did things, this looks good, yada, yada, yada. And so it gets you a great understanding of the property, and it helps you know, know what you're getting into. And if you move forward with a property, you learn those quirks because every single property I've ever been in, they all have their quirks. Those inspectors will help you figure out what those quirks are. And it's great to know during due diligence. It's also great to know as you buy the property as well. So as you schedule those, ideally plan on spending a couple hours at the property and being there with them as well. So going back to here, we talked inspection, insurance. The next one is appraisal. Uh, Joe or Preston, which of you guys want to take that one? Preston, you go first, then I'll chime in. Yep, absolutely. So appraisal is going to be one of the other big hurdles um, that we go through in the real estate transaction process. And this is actually something that um, Joe will get ordered after or any lender after you make the final loan application. The property has been identified and you sit down with them and, and sign the final box. So Next, they're going to order the appraisal, and this usually takes about two to three weeks for the appraiser to get out there. Um, and you know, the big thing here is we're going to want to make sure that the property is going to be of value for the amount of money that the lender is loaning you, right? So um, this can be a little bit of a, a apprehensive time, especially for a seller, because they want to make sure, hey, you know, is my property really worth what my listing agent told me it was, and how much this contract that the buyers um, signed with me is is going to meet up for? So. This is going to be a, a pretty stressful time for, for a lot of people in the real estate transaction, but that's why we always do our due diligence up front and run comps on properties before we put them under contract and make sure everyone's comfortable with that. Even if you're paying over the list price of the property, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily paying over the value of the property. So that's something that's really important to understand as well. What, are, what else do you have to add there, Joe? You know, I think one of the key things about the appraisal is it's important to order it right away um, because exactly what you said, sometimes you know, appraisers have some scheduling challenges, right? There's a limited pool of appraisers, limited number of people in the state that do it. Um, and that comes back to number three, uh, the lending. So we're going to get a copy of that contract. When you guys send it over to us, we're going to ask the client to come in, sit down. We're going to review all the options. Do you want to buy down the rate? Do you want to pay the mortgage insurance up front, et cetera? And then right then, we're going to ask for the client to pay the appraiser, and we are going to get that appraisal in process. Now, it's generally going to take three to four days before the appraiser is out to the property. During that three to four days, that's when you're doing the inspection. That's when you're negotiating on any of those inspection items. Then the appraiser is out to the property, let's say, on the fourth day, and it takes 
two or three additional days to get that appraisal report back. So once we get that back, then we're on to our final underwriting and final approval. It's an important piece to get that appraisal taken care of immediately, just so you minimize any surprises that are out there. Um, like you mentioned, Preston, that's one of the things that people are nervous is what is the value? How much is the property worth? We want to remove that as quickly as possible. And Joe, what is the typical cost of an appraisal? Um, if it's a primary residence, which I guess is what we're doing here, house hacking is $600 for a single family home, uh, $625 if you're doing an FHA loan, uh, and $800 if you're doing a multifamily. And then if it's an investment property, so maybe you're buying your second, third, fourth property, uh, that would be $700 for an investment property appraisal. But 600 bucks is kind of the number you want to keep in the back of your mind. Great. Now, sometimes, Joe, when it comes to the appraisal, one of the tricks that we'll use in our offers is to actually rush the appraiser. So, you mm -hmm. know, saying instead of, hey, we'll have our appraisal back in, you know, two weeks or something like that, maybe to make this a little bit more attractive to a nervous seller, we'll say, hey, we can get our appraisal done in five days and seven days. What does that look like for a client? You know what? That's a, a great strategy. Um, so the normal cost of an appraisal is 600 bucks. A rush fee to have it back within three days uh, costs an additional $600. So this is a, way, a great way that you can set yourself apart when you're making other offers. As you say, hey, we're going to order the appraisal on you know within four hours of going under contract, and we're going to have it back within three days. Mr. Seller, we know you're nervous about the value. We want to remove that uncertainty right away. So we're going to spend a little bit more money to get that appraisal completed immediately. Now, a lot of people listening might think, man, I don't want to spend $1,200 on an appraisal. Here's the thing, guys. I don't want to spend $1,200 on an appraisal either. But if I can spend that extra $600 and I can win the contract and actually get under contract on the property, I would rather do that versus renting for another month or two months or three months. Or maybe I've got to pay five dollars or $10,000 above the list price on my next property. So it's one of those things that you can do that in the grand scheme of things doesn't cost a lot of money that can help you win that property. And that often helps us also compete with cash offers because a great thing about cash is they are quick to close. Well, if we can do, you know, all the other items, uh, we can get that all done and we can close on properties, you know, eight, nine, 10 days. We can compete with the speed of cash, which helps us out. That's right. And the last step, closing. And we'll talk a lot more about this at the end of it. Um, but this is details that, you know, obviously we want to get to the closing uh, table. Uh, this is just lining up, hey, once we get to the closing, we'll determine a location, which is a title company, you know, near you. Or right now during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're doing virtual closings over Zoom and webinar platforms. But just scheduling all the details of, you know, when you're going to sign, where you're going to sign, and the final amount of money that you need to wire in for the down payment and all those other acquisition costs we've talked about in previous modules. So this is an email that we send to our clients that we always recommend, hey, save this email, reference it, because it's all the major you know, deadlines in here, steps, and it's a great reference email. And now what we're going to do is we're actually going to uh, go forward and show a couple screenshots here from the Colorado contract here. And this is just the state's standardized contract we always use. We've referenced numerous times. And this is one section of the contract where it talks about dates and deadlines. Now, this is just one small section on here. Let's help give you an idea about how fast things move. And we'll talk about these different sections. So we'll just start at the top here. And we'll kind of go through all these. So we'll read them off, talk dates and deadlines, give you some tips on here. 
So the first one is the alternative earnest money deadline. What's this, Preston? So this is the deadline that your earnest money needs to be delivered to the title company, Chris. And so, as I mentioned earlier, this is what actually you know puts the contract in full force and gets the ball rolling on everything else. So um, you'll see us reference here, um, you know, kind of some dates and deadlines related to MEC or mutually executed contract. So, like I said, this is due at the title company uh, usually within two to three days um, of everyone signing the contract. All right, and let's just go down the next one. Now we got yep. uh, six lines here for title. What What is that, and why do we need to deal with that? So this is related to title insurance. Every property um, that is sold in Colorado typically has title insurance attached to it. So um, you know you deliver your earnest money to title, and at that point, title is going to start doing all the work that they do behind the scenes to make sure that there's no liens on the property or if there's any weird covenants related to the property, all those things that allow them to and issue title insurance and give you, you know, a proper deed to the property. And this is something that's important to the buyer, the seller, the lender, everybody involved. We have to have clear title in order to close on a property. So um, record title deadline is going to be the deadline um, in which the title company is required to provide you with the initial title commitment for your review. So you can see everything that they've pulled up. And if you have any questions, um, you know, gives you some time to, to look through that. So you're going to have the record title deadline, which is usually about a week after going under contract. Um, and then you're also going to have uh, deadlines related to off-record title matters. So, hey, maybe there's a lease on the property that the seller needs to disclose. You know, maybe they've got some private loan on the property. All the things that wouldn't necessarily come up in a regular title search or have been recorded with the county, um, this is going to be related to those items that the seller is required to disclose. So, we usually have, you know, title and off-record title deadlines kind of run parallel with each other. So, um, you know, we would ask the, the seller to disclose any of that stuff within seven days as well. Um, and then you have a few days to review everything. So that would be, you know, usually about three days after um, the uh, the deadline to submit everything to the, to the buyer. And then if there's anything that needs to be negotiated or discussed, um, you know, that'll usually come a few days afterwards. And that will be considered our um, title resolution deadline. And that's usually about two weeks after going under contract. So from the time you receive the title commitment and any of that off-record title stuff, um, you know, you've got a few days to review and then uh, a few days to, to negotiate or have anything cleared up um, so that we can move forward through the contract. Um, the next section that we'll talk about is going to be anything related to homeowners association. And so Preston, let me, let me jump in here for one second, just yeah. because the, the title stuff's very confusing. I want to paint the picture here and I, you know, so for the earnest money, you have to go off and drop off the check, wire the money in. Uh, some title companies now have apps, you know, uh, phone apps you can use to transfer the money. So you have to go there and somehow get money from your account to the title company. Or, uh, yeah, to the title company. Now, with the title deadlines and records, Preston was just talking about, that is something that the title company takes care of. And then you get those documents and you get to review them. So you don't have to go out there and initiate anything, but you want to make sure you review them and understand them. And that's where something we can help you with as well. So going with the owners association now, I just want to make sure we tell people uh, what we need to do each one of those steps. Yep, absolutely. And I'll kind of circle back around to that too, because I wanted to, to get Joe in on this. But um, Joe, as the lender, you guys are also going to get a copy of these documents. Is that correct? Especially the title stuff and the title commitment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a really important one because, you know, two things that the title insurance is insuring. Number one, the buyer, that the seller doesn't have any liens, judgments, or bankruptcies associated with the property. And number two, it's insuring us, the lender, that the new buyer 
doesn't have any liens, judgments, or bankruptcies that are associated with them that would be ahead of our new mortgage. So yeah, we review that uh, on every transaction with a fine-tooth comb. It's one of the most important things that we get. Great. Thanks, Joe. Um, so yeah, now moving, like I said, to uh, the owner homeowners association deadline. So if we're under contract on a property with a homeowners association, and we get this um, question a lot from clients like, oh, well, how do I find out about the homeowners association? And, you know, is it healthy? Or, you know, they have plenty of reserves. What about their meeting minutes? All that kind of stuff. So that's what's going to be required to be delivered to the buyer under this section. So um, typically, most homeowners associations and title companies will be able to deliver this uh, within about a week of going under contract. Uh, but this, again, is also something that we're going to talk to a listing agent about before we go under contract. Hey, have you guys ordered these documents? Hey, do you know how long this is going to take? That way, we're all you know on the same page and we know uh, you know kind of what to expect going forward. So um, you know you'll get these documents delivered to you you know typically within a week of going under contract, um, and we give you a few days to review all that stuff. So you're going to be able to go through all the meeting minutes, all the you know financial statements for the HOA, you know all the guidelines for the HOA, the um, uh, association, you know, regulations, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that you have a really good understanding of what's going on within that, that HOA. Um, and if anything comes up that you have questions about, or, you know, you just decide, Hey, I don't think this is a healthy HOA. There's something here I don't like, you know, I can't paint my fence red, whatever the case may be. You have an option, um, through the contract in Colorado to terminate, um, based on all that. So again, one of those things that is very buyer friendly and it allows you the opportunity to, to really dig into some of those um, HOA questions. And, and the nice thing too, is that in the new contract uh, that uh, they produced this year um, for Colorado, there is a specific outline of all the information that they're required to now provide to the buyer from the HOA, whereas before it was a little bit open-ended. So um, it's all very well defined and outlined in the contract about all the documents that you're going to receive. And you'll notice here, if you guys are looking at this, is that there's a documents deadline and a documents termination deadline for HOA docs. There's no objection deadline. If you guys have ever lived in HOA, you know that's really hard to change it. So you can't really object to it and say, hey, cool, I either accept it or I'm going to terminate because I don't like the HOA for whatever reason. Exactly, Chris. So um, now we're going to move on to the seller's property disclosure. This is another really important part of the transaction. Um, the sellers uh, in Colorado are required to disclose any known facts uh, that would material materially affect the property. So um, you know this is something that a lot of listing agents don't always coach their their sellers through, um, but it's something that's really important to this process. So we want to be able to provide the buyers. Uh, with all the possible information about a property. Hey, you know, this this form is going to have everything from when was the roof replaced? Do you know of any water damage? Do you know of any structural stuff? So it's a pretty long form, but the sellers are required to go through um, and, you know, update it and provide all that information to a buyer for them to review. Um, now, it's not uh, anything contractually related, but it is a disclosure. And it's always best for a seller to disclose any known issues with the house so that you as a buyer, you know, don't have any recourse to come back at them and say, hey, you didn't tell me about this. So as we always say in real estate, disclose, disclose, disclose. So there's no termination deadline for the seller's property disclosure, but there is a deadline for them to provide that for you, um, along with a lead-based paint disclosure. So if the home was built prior to 1978, 
Um, they are required to disclose any known lead-based paint within the property, and the buyer has the right to um, get the home tested for lead-based paint. So this is another disclosure that will come across for the buyers to review and allow them the opportunity to um, you know, get the home tested for lead-based paint if they, if they desire to. And then let's talk about the loan and credit, because, Joe, this is a big part where you come into here. Uh, I mean, there's more stuff to do with lending here. Oh yeah. Nonstop, man. You can't get away from those pesky lenders. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, no, the first one you've got their loan application deadline. So one of the tricky parts, and this is just kind of one of the nuances about real estate and lending is you've gone through your initial application, um, to get pre-approved, but technically you don't have a full application because we're missing one really critical piece, which is the property address. That's why when you guys go under contract, um, Jessica from Chris and Preston, Preston's team is going to send over that contract to us. And then we're going to call you so that we can meet with you immediately to go over all of your options. And that's when we're truly going to complete that loan application because now we can actually put in the property address, have you sign the documents saying, yes, I'm applying for that loan. So that's a really critical piece that you don't want to miss that step. And then the new loan termination deadline. So this is the option where you can go through. It's kind of your final out. Um, we go through the loan process. We get the property appraised. At that final date, five days before the closing in this, in this example, let's say something has changed. Um, we're here during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's say you get laid off from your job, all right? And you can no longer qualify for a loan. You would have the opportunity to cancel the transaction and get your earnest money back, all right? Or maybe you didn't follow our advice and you went and you bought a new car and now you can't qualify for the house and the car and you can't take the car back. So you're kind of stuck. You can cancel the loan transaction. You can cancel the real estate transaction and get your earnest money back. But let's say on day three days before the closing, you go out and you buy a new car and then you say, Hey guys, I bought a new car. My payment is $800 a month. Holy cow. You can't qualify for the new house and the new car. Um, unfortunately, we can't move forward with your new loan and you can't take the car back, well, you're not going to be able to close on the transaction, so you're not going to get your earnest money back because you're past your deadline. So that's a really important deadline to make sure that you've got all your items buttoned up, you don't make any changes, don't trip yourself up with any any uh, issues prior to that or after that loan termination deadline. Because that's really your last out, your last opportunity to cancel. Now, moving on to the next section here, we got uh, some more loan deadlines, Joe. I'll let you keep talking about them. Yeah, really, this is if you were going to be taking over um, and assuming somebody's loan. That really doesn't occur in, in the current market. That really only occurs when interest rates uh, increase in a short period of time. So really don't have to worry too much about those existing loan deadlines. Yeah. And you'll see there we got NAs in there. Uh, next up is appraisal. And this is something we talked about before. But Joe, what are the key points here to keep in mind when it comes to dates and deadlines? Yeah. So that appraisal deadline, that's the deadline for when that appraisal is going to be completed. And then a, that objection deadline is when you can say, hey, you know what? I want to object, Mr. Seller, for X, Y, Z reason. And let's just use a sample scenario. We're under contract to buy a property for $400,000. And the appraiser goes out, completes the appraisal, sends it back to us, and the property only appraises for $390,000. Well, this is when we can go back to the seller prior to the objection deadline and say, hey, you know what? The property only appraised for three ninety. dollars we want you, Mr. Seller, to lower the price of the property down to three ninety. Now, in between that objection deadline and that resolution deadline, we might negotiate with the seller. 
And the seller says, you know, I'm not going to lower it to 390, but maybe I will lower it to 395. And we think about it and we say, okay, we agree with that. And then we're going to have an appraisal resolution, which that's when we're going to all agree via an amend extend that, all right, we're going to resolve the appraisal condition by changing that purchase price down to 395. So the buyer's going to bring a little bit extra, the seller's taking a little bit less, and that's the deadline that we have to complete that by. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Um, so the next portion of this that we're going to move into here is going to be our survey deadline. So um, the buyer always has the right to get an, a survey uh, throughout the real estate transaction. They can either do an improvement location certificate, which is basically just kind of a mini survey, which will um, you know, show the boundaries uh, and lot lines of the property. It will show any easements. It will show the location. Uh, you know, let's say there's a shed on the property. And the reason we want to look at stuff like this is to make sure that, hey, you know, the seller hasn't built a garage and it encroaches on the neighbor's property line by two feet. Well, guess what? Now we have a problem. So um, this is always another important step and we encourage our clients to do it, especially on properties that are freestanding, um, you know, not so much on condos and townhouses type things because those are pretty well laid out, but especially on a single family home or, you know, commercial property, something along those lines, this is a really important step. So um, that usually is completed anywhere between two to three weeks throughout the process. Uh, and, you know, you have your deadline to get that survey done. You have your objection deadline as well. In case something does come up, you can object to it with the seller and say, hey, how are we going to fix this? And then we'll have our resolution deadline. Um, the next phase that we'll move into um, is a really, really important one, and that's the inspection and due diligence portion of our dates and deadlines. So inspection objection deadline, just like most of the others above, is going to be our deadline to have that inspection done. So that, you know, we put in our contracts, as I mentioned before, you know, usually within a week, so seven days. Uh, we like to get that done right away so we have as much time as possible between the termination and resolution deadlines to get anything um, looked into further, bring in other professionals, industry people, whatever we need to do. Um, and then from there, something uh, that's kind of unique to our Colorado contracts is we have either a termination or a resolution deadline. Um, and these are you know, opportunities, again, for the buyer to, one, either back out completely if they just decide, hey, this isn't for me, I'm gonna terminate, there's too many issues with this, con with this property, it's just you know, not the right thing. Cool, great, now we have an opportunity to just terminate, protect your earnest money, get that back, and we can keep shopping. Uh, the other option is to resolve any issues with the seller and come to an agreement on how we're gonna do that, and that's gonna be our inspection resolution deadline. And that's usually within about 10 days of going under contract. So this is another big portion and, and a lot of times can bring a lot of anxiety to people. But, you know, that's why you have professionals working in your corner and why it's so important to have a realtor or real estate agent with you because they're going to help you navigate all this stuff and negotiate that with you and for you. Uh, the next one is going to be the property insurance termination deadline. This is usually about 14 days or, you know, two weeks uh, after being under contract. And as we spoke a lot about insurance before, this is going to be, um, you know, our deadline to terminate based on any adverse effects uh, related to insurance. So, hey, you're in a flood zone. Hey, we can't insure this property. It's got a T-lock roof. Um, you know, anything along those lines. Hey, there was a, an open claim that wasn't closed and the seller doesn't want to do anything about it. So, um, you know, this is another opportunity for the buyer to, um, you know, cancel the contract and, and move on if there's something related to insurance that just isn't to their liking and, and can't be resolved. The next uh, portion is going to be related to due diligence documents. In our contract, we always request certain due diligence documents that the buyer would like to see from the seller, whether that's 
you know, appliance warranties, um, you know, previous appraisals, um, you know, maybe they just did a rehab or a flip on the property. We want to see some receipts and documentation, maybe some permits related to that. So we like to see those delivered within seven days of going under contract as well. Um, and then we have our objection and resolution time period between there. So we'll have a couple days, um, you know, to review all that stuff and object to anything. If there's something that comes up and we just say, hey, you know, we want to resolve this. We, we need some more information, whatever the case may be. Um, and then we can, you know, come to a mutual resolution with the seller. Uh, or we can just terminate uh, if that uh, if that doesn't work. And the nice thing about the documents objection deadline is that if there isn't a resolution reached, then the contract will self-terminate and the buyer's money, earnest money is still protected and, and returned to them. Uh, the next one will be conditional sale deadline. So let's say you had a, another property that you needed to sell in order to purchase this one. This would be kind of the, the last opportunity to back out of the contract if you weren't able to get that property sold in order to purchase this one. And then uh, finally, we have our lead-based paint termination deadline. So uh, as we spoke about before, if, uh, if you have a lead-based paint uh, test done on the house and it comes back uh, unsatisfactory, you have an opportunity to terminate. And so that kind of completes uh, part, of, uh, part of that section, Chris. And then we'll move into um, closing and possession deadlines. Yeah, and really at this point, there is, I mean, you know, the closing dates, that's just when the property expects to close. And all the dates and deadlines on here is written on, you know, assuming we do a 30-day close. And often we'll write anywhere, you know, a, a 21 to 28-day close is pretty typical. Sometimes we go longer. As we talked about earlier, sometimes we do a nine-day close. So obviously these dates and deadlines are going to adjust accordingly. Uh, but typically, closing is about 30 days is pretty common, what you see out here in Colorado right now. And we have possession date, possession time. This is actually when you get to take possession of the property. So more often than not, it's the same day of closing. So basically, you go to the closing table. Uh, you sign on the documents. The, uh, you wire in your money the day before. The lender funds the loans. Uh, and then you get the keys to the house at the closing table. Now, sometimes uh, it's not necessarily the same day uh, because if there's tenants in that need to move out, well, then you get you can take possession once the tenants move out. And any leases on the property, those supersede the contract to buy and sell real estate. So if a, if a seller signed a, a lease with a tenant that expires in June 1st and you're closing May 1st, even though you own the property, you also inherit that lease and you can't move it until that uh, tenant moves out come June 1st, or sometimes we do a post-closing occupancy agreement. And that's where we say, hey, Mr. Seller, we'll close. And then you can stay in the property for another two weeks or 30 days or up to 60 days. And that's one of the things we do in the current climate to help us uh, win some contracts. And the last thing you'll see here, the dates and deadline is the acceptance uh, deadline, date, and time. And this is more for when putting the offer in we talked about in the previous module. So, you know, if we're writing an offer on Tuesday night, we might say, hey, the acceptance deadline is Wednesday at 5 p.m. Typically, we'll be in the range of about 24 to 48 hours for having the seller to actually accept um, our contract, or I'm sorry, accept our offer to go under contract. So I know we went through a lot here, and this is not meant to teach you guys every single date, deadline, and step of the way. But we wanted to give you some details here so you can understand, hey, what are the important steps and deadlines and dates in the contract 
what does this stuff mean? So hopefully we gave you some insight here. Uh, as we wrap up here, guys, is there any uh, final thoughts you want to share as we uh, close out? No, that's everything I wanted to hit on. That's great. Yeah, no, I think we touched on everything. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for you know listening or watching. And if you have any questions on here, definitely reach out to us. As again, you can always reach out to us at denverinvestmentrealestate.com slash HH help. That's for house hack help. All our contact details are on there and we'll see you in the next module. Have a great one. Hey, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you have any questions or need clarification, shoot me an email. Or if you want to grab a physical book copy of the Ultimate House Hacking Guide, also send me an email. My email is chris at denverinvestmentrealestate.com. A couple other services that we offer, if you need help putting together your investment plan and buying your first or your next house hacking property, reach out to me. That's what we specialize in. If you need help with lending and financing, reach out to Joe Massey. That's his specialty. And if you need help in stabilizing and operating your house hack property, reach out to Jeff White, as that's his specialty. Now, all their contact details in the show notes. If you have trouble funding them or you just want to keep it simple, shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer all your questions and also connect you with Joe, Jeff, or whoever you need to talk to. All right. We'll see you next episode.